So just about 21 years ago, on September 11, 2001, sometime between 11 and 12 o'clock, I was sitting in a conference room at the Marion Juvenile Correctional Facility interviewing for a teaching job, a job that I wasn't even sure I wanted to do at all, and the slightly built, middle-aged, African-American man who served as the school's principal had just asked me how I felt I would treat the convicted rapist that would be in my classroom as he looked at me skeptically over his spectacles. There were so many things going on in my head at that moment, one of which was, did my answer to that particular question even matter anymore? The world was crumbling around us. Our country had been under attack all morning. The news reports on the radio from the trip down kept playing over and over in my head, like a broken record that wouldn't stop repeating. And while in the lobby waiting for my interview, one of the Twin Towers had completely crumbled and fallen. I was preoccupied with worry, wondering whether my friend Geetra and her husband Neil were okay or even alive. Geetra worked at the National Symphony Orchestra in Washington, D.C., and her husband at that time was employed at the Pentagon. Were they safe? Were they together? Were they trapped somewhere in rubble and chaos? And what was I doing anyway, interviewing to do something that I had never done before in the best of circumstances, let alone under what seemed the worst of circumstances? unless you counted my student teaching and spending two semesters as a teaching assistant in college. And at that moment, I certainly did not. I wasn't sure that I could work with any criminals, let alone criminals who had viciously attacked women. What was I doing in this place? Why had I even applied for this job that I knew I was clearly unsuited for? I assumed that the other gentlemen hoping to conduct the interview that morning probably took one look at me and thought that I had temporarily lost my mind when I sent in my application. I was small and slight. I was quiet and soft-spoken. I was not hardened or rough around the edges at all, and if someone had raised their voice to me that morning, I would have jumped about 10 feet into the air. But then suddenly, my mouth opened, and words came out. Words about everyone deserving second chances. Words about how I was a Christian and I didn't feel that it was my place to cast judgment. Words that I absolutely felt didn't belong in my mouth since I hadn't thought of them in the first place because I had been too busy thinking about everything else that was in my brain that morning. And as I left that facility in the job interview, I remember hearing the sound of the heavy metal door loudly click behind me, sealing everyone else inside as I walked forward to the parking lot in my father's van. I took a deep breath of the air around me, which seemed too quiet for everything that was happening that day and in that moment. The sky was blue and crisp with beautiful white clouds overhead, a stark contrast to the reality of what was unfolding on TV and the homes that dotted the landscape around us. And I wondered, why had God brought me here to this time and to this place? I clearly wasn't equipped for this job. I had, as I alluded to before, no street credentials, no real independent experience in a classroom, no idea of what went on behind those sealed walls every day. 
what could God possibly want me to do in this place? But then I took another deep breath. I mumbled a quick apology, and I told God that if this was what he really wanted, then I was ready. It was the first of many, many conversations that God and I would have about that particular job because I had never really wanted to apply, never really wanted to interview, and never really wanted to accept the position when they called to tell me it was mine. And yet God kept calling me to keep moving forward in ways that made me uncomfortable, ways that stretched my boundaries, ways that exposed places in my heart and soul that needed to grow and heal and change. God kept calling me and holding me to a higher accountability than I certainly wanted to hold myself. Today's scripture is also about a conversation with God, a conversation between God and Jeremiah about another unwanted position, a conversation about a message, about a setting apart, about an appointment to do something that Jeremiah had certainly not set out to do. Jeremiah knew that he was too young, too inexperienced, too scared. He knew that he was not good with words. And yet when he protested about those inadequacies, the Lord simply replied to him, don't say that. And followed it up with, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of people, for I will be with you and take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And then, perhaps a little more reassuringly, he followed that up by saying, see, I have put my words into your mouth. For those of us who have read through the book of Jeremiah, we know that the prophet Jeremiah, as is with most prophets of God, was given a very unpleasant task, an unpleasant task of telling a people who didn't want to listen that they were wrong. And today's reading only gives a preview of what is to come for Jeremiah. However, from the very beginning, Jeremiah doesn't feel like he is the best man for that job, even though God tells him that he knows him and has set him apart since birth. Jeremiah protests immediately that he is too young and won't be able to speak for the Lord. And it is hard to tell if this is a sincere protest or is this the kind of nimble excuse-making that all of humanity is capable of when faced with a task that is less than desirable? Is it that quintessential deafness with which our teenage children and our co-workers use to try and convince others to do work for them? Oh, I'm no good at that. I haven't learned how to do that properly yet. So-and-so would be so much better at that than I am. Or what about the I have served my time already. It's someone else's turn. We know. We have heard the excuses. We may have even heard them in this building a time or two. And let's face it, if we're being honest, we have made some of those excuses ourselves in those moments where we are thinking, please, oh, please, ask anyone but me. But God doesn't take no for an answer from us. Just as God didn't take no as an answer from Jeremiah, he takes those excuses that Jeremiah tries to make away and tells him that he has put words into his mouth and that he has been appointed. And this initial conversation about Jeremiah's calling isn't the last conversation that God and Jeremiah had about whether or not he is capable of this job. It is just the first of many. 
Jeremiah struggled with his calling throughout his prophecy to the kingdom of Judah. And Jeremiah was not alone. So many of those chosen in the Bible struggle with what they felt were their inadequacies. Moses felt completely ill-equipped to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. He wondered why God had chosen him at all. He worried that the Israelites wouldn't listen to him and what he told them to do, and perhaps rightfully so, as they quite often ignored him. He complained about his lack of speaking skills and his stutter. But God eliminated every stumbling block that Moses brought before him. And in both cases, neither Moses nor Jeremiah jumped up at the moment God called them and said, well, it's about time you notice that I'm perfect for this job. In fact, I'm not sure anyone has ever said that to God. Most of the time, as we look through the Bible, we see more confusion than clarity in those call moments. People like Gideon saying, are you sure you can trust me with something this big? Or Samuel, who needs clarity about just who was calling him in the first place. Or Mary, who wondered if she was good enough to bring God's son into the world. Or Abraham, who protests that he is just far too old. And for most of us, these call stories filled with struggle and insecurity are familiar. So our own struggles with God's calling on our lives must seem frustrating to a God who has provided us a book of examples about how it's futile to refuse his call on our heart as he makes and equips every call. But what I find interesting about Jeremiah's story isn't just that he ends up doing what God told him to, but the way that that conversation that he and God have beforehand unfolds. God doesn't get aggravated or irritated with Jeremiah's protest. He doesn't roll his eyes and say, just do it because I said so. I mean, he would have every right. He is God. And it stands to reason that at some point, the whole I'm too old, too young, too shy, too inexperienced, too this, too that, probably gets a little old from time to time. But instead, God lets Jeremiah know how much he loves him and how well he knows him. He says to him that I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my spokesman to the world. He reminds Jeremiah that he knows him better than any person in the entire world ever could because he knew Jeremiah before Jeremiah's parents knew him, before he was even a little cluster of cells, before he came into being at all. God knew what Jeremiah was capable of all along, what path he would take, what words he would say. And the God who knew Jeremiah knows all of us just the same. If he were sitting in a job interview with us, he could rattle off our strengths and our weaknesses just as quickly as he could tell us that with him and our lives, none of those characteristics, good or bad or otherwise, even matter when it comes to what he can do through us. God also told Jeremiah that he must go where he tells him to go, but, and this is important, to not be afraid. Because he will take care of him. God was not going to send Jeremiah any place without his protection. He was going to be there for Jeremiah, and Jeremiah needn't worry about what was going to happen next. And God isn't going to send any of us to do something in order to put us into harm's way. He is always coming with us on our journey. He is the light that shines before us so that we can see where we are going 
He has the strength and support at our sides, and he is that push to move forward right behind us with every step we take. And although the task that God set before Jeremiah seems too big for him, it doesn't matter because God reassured Jeremiah that he had put the words Jeremiah needed to say in his mouth. Jeremiah didn't need to worry about whether or not he had the skills for that job. God had already covered that for him. And when we feel super inadequate and under-equipped to do God's work, God has the same surprise in store for us. He has already given us what we need to do in order to complete his work before he even asks us to do it. And it doesn't really matter if God has called us to do something big or small or difficult or easy or something in the box or out of the box. If God has called us, he's called us. He knows that we are the right person for the job, that he can take care of us, that he will give us what we need in order to succeed in his name. That job at the jail that I thought I could never do, well, thankfully, God knew me better than I knew myself. He knew that I was the person for that job in that time. And he protected me. He kept me safe for the eight years that I taught there and later at Ohio River Valley Juvenile Correctional Facility. My days were tough and trying and exhausting and generally fraught with all sorts and manner of complications that I had never encountered before. But he was right there beside me for each and every one of them. And God equipped me for that job. Somehow, little inexperienced me was able to do all sorts of things that I didn't know that I could. I can't say that it wasn't a struggle because it certainly was. God and I talked all the way home from Marion some days, and we almost always talked all the way up the sidewalk to school every morning about why was I doing this, how was I going to do this, and what was I going to accomplish by doing this anyway. And he listened to every word of my complaining and crying and protesting, but he kept calling me every morning to go anyway. And so as the season continues to change around us, let us be listeners for God's voice calling. And if God is knocking on our door or sending us a text message or calling our number, let us be quick to answer him. He has known us longer than we have known ourselves, and we must Trust that he will not take us where he cannot keep us, and that we can do all things through him. For in God, indeed, all things are possible. For a little moment here this morning, I'm going to go off script because I wrote this before yesterday happened. And I'm never, never not amazed at God's presence. Because Melmore, which, as you know, is not a tremendously large church decided that they were going to put on this benefit for one of its members, Katie McHugh-Yambert, who has been struggling with breast cancer. And when we started it a month ago, we didn't have any pieces in place, but there has never been a fundraiser that I think we have worked less hard at in our lives. We didn't have to ask for auction items. I think maybe we asked for two of them. We ended up with 51. We were hoping for 25. That was our goal. So we ended up with far more than we had hoped for. And what a wonderful day because people just came into place. People made cookies. People brought food. We had everything that we needed and more in abundance. Because we listened when God said, 
I need you to do this thing. And we were obedient to that call. Even though we were small in number, we were mighty in ministry yesterday. And I think about how God works in our churches in that same way. So often we feel like, oh, this church is too small for this or that. But what an amazing testimony it is when God uses all of our churches to do big and mighty things. So it is my prayer for us this season as we move forward as churches in this post-COVID world that doesn't look like we expected, that we are open to his call on our hearts and our lives and on our churches to do big things with him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, help us to remember that you are always there giving us what we need for everything that you call us to. Help us to listen carefully for your voice. Help us to trust you and help us to boldly go to all of the places and courageously commit ourselves to every action